Welcome to the Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Hani Rambot. I'm here with my co-host and sidekick, Austin. Sidekick. Yeah, you become wow. sidekick because now when we go to the shows and um, when we're going to be at the gym, I already had a couple of people ask, hey, who's that guy? <laughs> it happens all the time. You'll just have to get used to that. Yeah, we're know? at Absolute yeah. Recomp and they're like, hey, who's that guy? It's just, you know, mystery. That's right. Just behind the camera. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? What's funny is the fact that we have um, not done a Q&A in a long time. I haven't done it since I've been in Texas. Yeah. It's my so, first one. Yes. It's your first yeah. one. And I think I'm changing up the, the format a bit now yeah. because what I learned about the other one from feedback was the fact that they just want more questions answered. Mm -hmm. I think that they appreciate a lot of the listeners appreciate going into depth, but I do think that a lot of them said, could you answer a few more questions? Yeah. So I'm going to try something a little bit different. We're going to go ahead. You have a list of yeah. Q, you yeah. know questions that were asked to you on the eVision page. And then I have ones from my personal page and then we'll kind of go back and forth. Yeah. Um, does that sound like a plan? Of course. That's why it's a good idea to interact with the stuff when we put it out on Instagram, because we do read them. Yes. Yeah. We read them. Through. And also the other thing is if you do, especially on this episode, go on to the YouTube. So if you're listening to this and you're in your car, you're at the gym, whatnot, if you want to go back and you want to ask your questions on YouTube, then we can take those and we can add those to these. And so again, without further ado, let's go ahead and let's start off the Q and a series. Yeah, we got some great. And questions. before we do that, yeah. just a reminder, please make sure you turn on the notification bell. I've got over 200,000 subscribers on this, on the YouTube. And a lot of you do not have your subscription um, notification on. So if you haven't subscribed, make sure you do so and then turn on the bell. And then as well as make sure you put in the questions you have, because if you want those questions answered, you're going to have to put them somewhere. Easiest thing is I have been interacting quite a bit on YouTube. So you'll see me on there being able to either answer your questions right there and then, or take those questions and put them on the next podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes I need the reminder whenever I'm watching YouTube videos, it's like tapping the like is free. And it's something that actually really, really helps out a creator. Not even just, you know, not even just you and us here, but like it really helps out if you, if you like somebody's content, just tap like, and it actually helps a lot, especially on YouTube. So it's a quick thing to do. It really helps out the channel. Yeah. And if you really care about it, me and wanting this thing to grow and you want to see these more often, then make sure you share. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Because if you share, then the algorithm goes up and then I get more people asking me to do more of these. So yeah. that makes a huge difference as well. Yeah. Here for some questions. Yes, let's do it. Sweet. Okay. Um, pretty much the same with so many products on the market when it comes to supplements. What would you say are your kind of musts if you have to maybe pick one or say maybe the top three when it comes to supplements for a newbie? Well, if they don't have access to protein, yeah. then I would say a protein powder. If they have access to protein in terms of food yeah. or they already have like a staple protein powder in the house, then I would say a pre-workout. Because whether it's something that's caffeinated or something that is non-caffeinated just to help with blood flow, but make sure that you're taking a pre-workout that has blood flow agents in it because you want to make sure that you're going to get that skin tearing pump. Yep. You want to be able to get that fascia stretch so that you can be able to get rounder and fuller muscle bellies. You want to feel like, obviously, if it's got creatine in it, even better. If you're going to have to take it separately, then that now, now you got to, you know, you got to pick one or, you know, you got to pick one or the other. <laughs> And, uh, and quite honestly, that's a hard decision. Uh, that's why I've included creatine in my product, but with EVP, uh, 3D or extreme, but it's one of those things where a lot of people don't understand that how much it helps when you have blood flow agents, something that's going to help increase nitric oxide. So if I had to pick one product, it would definitely be pre-workout because I make sure I have enough protein from food. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that's the thing. If you don't, and you're someone that needs help with your protein, then I would lean towards a good protein powder. 
preferably an isolate to get it in faster and be able to get absorbed at a higher rate. But a great pre-workout that's going to help with blood flow and it's going to help with being able to help strength focus all of those things because we all have those hard, you know tired hard days and we don't want to go to the gym and getting something in there that's going to get you at least focused if not focused with stimulant is going to be basically up to you. Everybody's a little bit different, but getting that pre-workout in would be it. Well, yeah, because if you're not actually training hard, then the other supplements aren't really going to do their job anyway. The extra accessories at that point, so you got to make sure you're training hard enough. And so that's where that's going to come in handy. Um, so yeah, awesome. All right. Great response there. Um, this is kind of an interesting one. Being the goat, they're calling you the goat. Um, <laughs> I think they call me the goat because I know I'm a Capricorn. <laughs> <laughs> Being the goat coach, what would you say are both the goods and bads about coaching today? The goods and bads about coaching today is because of the lack of really concise, accurate information. Mm -hmm. I think everybody puts their spin on the drugs and everybody puts their spin on even the misinformation of diet the misinformation of training, I think that there's that, but mostly because of the drugs, because that's the most harmful. Like if you overtrain, you might end up not being able to get gains or you undertrain or whether you, you know, overeat or undereat, you know, that's going to create harm to some degree, but the bigger harm that's being created at this point are the drugs, all of the peptides, all of the SARMs, all of these things that are not necessary like everyone thought they were. Yeah. And I think some people are starting to listen a little bit more because of, unfortunately, it took a lot of deaths where people had to pump the brakes. Yeah. But at the same time, I do think that sometimes things get sensationalized and people kind of go down deeper down that road because they're like, wow, this guy won that show or this guy won that show, even though he passed away, whether it was an Olympia or whether it was a Arnold Classic champion. Yeah. And I just sit there and you go, please stop the madness. We talked about that in one of the prior episodes. And I think that you got to really understand that that's the hardest thing for me. And that's one of the reasons why I've been much more vocal about this right now. And I think that I'll just say it right now is insulin. Mm -hmm. Insulin is the absolute devil when it comes to bodybuilding. And a lot of people sensationalize insulin. And I feel that it is something that you should not be taking I don't think it's necessary. I do not think that it's something that you got to go around and say, hey, because A, B, or C person did it. And I think that if you are experimenting to that level, you're literally uh, just a fraction away from you know killing yourself. Yeah. Because it's not like, hey, if you took testosterone and you did an extra CC or half a CC that you're going to you know pass out and die. With something like insulin that will happen if you under eat or if you end up not timing your food right or whatnot it happens all the time yeah it you know with both bodybuilders as well as diabetics and everything else and you have to understand this is not something to be played with it really isn't so at the end of the day i would say that is the number one thing i hate about the early, you know the modern day bodybuilding is it's become this chemical warfare situation so that's the hardest thing. And I'm going to keep talking about it as much as I can to make sure that these people understand that the training and the nutrition are the most important things and everything else are just an add-ons and to various degrees. And if you do not have the genetics for it, you shouldn't be taking the drugs yep. because it's not going to work anyways. Exactly. They're not going to turn around and make you into something you're not. And that's what it's just going to accentuate what you already have. They don't make you. You can tell whenever, you know, we even talked about this in the first podcast, you can tell when you look at somebody, if they have the potential, 
you know, even when they're much smaller, you know, you said you've, you've seen it in tons of people very, very early on in their career. Like that person's going to be big. Yes. You can tell before you, before you put all of those in there. So like when people are trying to essentially turn themselves into that, just with more PEDs, it just makes no sense. No. And you just get, end up getting a lot of side effects and then you're just chasing your tail at that point. Yep. You know, and unfortunately there's been some people out there that are even YouTubers and this and that. And then you hear about these people and they go, this person either had a stroke or they had a heart attack or got, you know, God forbid they pass away. Yeah. And what happens is sometimes people learn from that, but sometimes other people, like I said, it's sensationalized and you got to make sure that you don't go down that rabbit hole. Yeah. Cause it's unfortunately attached to that. Like the, what I would say the bad side of the champion mindset of just whatever it takes, doesn't matter what that entails going as hard as pushing to the brink and everything like Part of it is being able to be around so that way you can do those things still, you know, and not pushing to that limit. Because anytime I hear somebody throw that word out there as far as like insulin or things to that level, I'm just like, oh, okay, that's, it's almost a level of like adrenaline junkie. Yeah, they're quick kill drugs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Diuretics and insulin are quick kill drugs. Yeah. Okay. Testosterone long term mm-hmm. can definitely do damage if, especially if you're have high blood pressure and it sets off a lot of things, heart disease, heart blood pressure, kidney damage, all these things, you know, kidney damage usually is because of also the blood pressure issue. But one of the things that you got to remember is those things can kill you very, very quickly. Yeah. And that's where you want to do. You, you got to understand it's like danger. Will Robinson. Yeah. So I think, uh, yeah. Next question. Yeah. Um, what Olympian now or in the past would you love to prep for a show? God, I think I had this question a while back and I might've even changed the answer now because I, there's been so many people, you know, people would say, you know, would you have liked a seventies bodybuilder an eighties bodybuilder or, or more of a modern day bodybuilder that that's maybe even competing right now. And I always like to go back in the beginning stages of when I started following bodybuilding. And if, especially if I know what I know now, would it be a dream to train Arnold Schwarzenegger? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Because I would be like, Hey bro, let's do some FSC seven. We're going to do legs <laughs> now. Okay. Actually kind of elaborating on that. Is it Arnold obvious reasons? Um, but is it like when you're thinking about this question, is it personality wise of like who you would like to, to be able to train and push or whatever it might be? Is it physique wise to see what you can do with them? There's a kind of a couple of ways that I see that. Where With you go, Arnold, it's yeah. all of the above. Yeah, because course. he's so just yeah. iconic, yeah. and he's got such a crazy personality. I mean, the guy has a donkey in his house, right? <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> those videos never get old. Yeah. yeah, and I think that the guy when you watch him train, he would train again for the pump, the yeah. fullness, yep. all of those things, and a lot of that has been around for many, many years, and it's kind of gone away a bit. And when I created FSC seven training, it was a combination of high intensity training Dorian style along with high volume training. Mm -hmm. And then also putting in things like the mensur training principles, or I should say, um, because that is a hit, but, um, you know, Arthur Jones and pre exhaust and a lot of those things that were around very, very long time ago. And they kind of go away because I think that sometimes people get lazy and they try to find some different ways or oh, yeah, I don't want to overtrain or if I don't yeah. want to do this or do that. And so when I sat down and I started creating my program, it was something that where I could try to get my athletes to create higher intensity moments without me actually having to be there. 
So when you watch Nick Walker and you watch Derek do legs in the latest video that they did, and they were doing FST7, and then you added in the blood-starving sets that I created in a video oh, like those 13, are tough. 14 years ago. Those are real tough. Those are, you know, if you guys haven't seen it, you can go and see what I'm talking about. It's on my early YouTube uh, videos, uh, the FST7 series uh, on both defined and refined videos. Um, but those blood starving sets when you're doing leg presses vertically and you're keeping your legs upside down, the the amount of pain and torture you go through there, it, it takes a lot. I did them two days ago. Did you? Yeah. There you go. I'm, I'm struggling. <laughs> now, you want, yeah. now you're out of the back yeah. on stage now. Yeah, it's a terrible idea. Well, we'll see about that. But but were you were you inspired? Oh, yeah. Because 100%. of the video. 100%. Yeah. 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 So so whose reaction did you like better, Nick or uh, Derek? Uh, it's funny seeing Derek. It's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. But then I was like, ah, oh, that's funny. And then I went and did it. And I'm just, oh, okay. I'm in the exact same boat, if not worse. Yeah. So, yeah. And so, so doing those types of things. So again, going back to the Arnold situation, yeah. you know, being able to see what that would have done and how his physique would have been different would have been great to be able to create a parallel universe exactly. and say, okay, let's take some of this information and go here and do that. Yeah. And then, and then I would geek out and be like, okay, now let's go in and add modern day supplements, just modern day supplements yeah. that you can buy over the counter here right now. And let's add that to the mix and see what happens. Be outrageous. And then let's turn around and let's add in some of the different techniques like facet cardio or this or that, because, you know, they would just train for hours. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so that's how they turned around and got lean. So I think that that would be very exciting to see. And then again, the, the, the cherry on top would be just getting to hang out with somebody like Arnold and yeah. just see him at his prime, yeah. just talking crap. You try to get him ready for the master's Olympia. Masters <laughs> right now. God, he's got to be close to 80. We right? talked about that with Jay too. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. But Jason, <laughs> story, no, he's, a very in, different yeah, story. he's definitely more in striking distance. <laughs> yeah. Schwarzenegger. But they're both the uh, legends yep. and uh, it would be epic to be able to see him do those kinds of workouts because that's what I would have been like, wow, if I yeah, could just sit yeah. there and go through that, what would that look like? That's one of those things yeah. that I wish there was a lot more training footage. It will, you know, of course there's, there's a, there was no amount. phones back then. Yeah. There just was, there was no phones. Not nearly as much. Um, next question. Yep. All right. So how do you balance out asymmetries in your physique during prep? Okay. So during prep, it's very similar than what you're doing the in actually off season as well. You got to figure out what's causing the asymmetry. Mm -hmm. Um, if it's an injury, then you're going to have to make sure you rehab in the off season. So you can get ahead of it during the prep because during the prep, you're not going to get that much better. Yeah. It's just going to be difficult. Yeah. So you try to get ahead of it. If you have an asymmetry uh, during, because of an injury, then you really can't push the same amount of weight, whether it's like, let's say it's a shoulder injury uh, from the strong side to the weak side. So it's to get ahead of it before you prep. But then I've been a huge advocate about making sure to pre-exhaust with the weaker with with a weaker side mm -hmm. and also to do extra sets at the very end and then do extra isolation exercises for that weaker side all just on the weaker side all on the weaker Got side it. okay all on the weaker side and then obviously therapy needs to be done yeah. so that you can try to create that so again i've had a client who did the olympia uh, in fitness, uh, Fiona Harris, she had a really bad scoliosis and we had to do a lot because her scoliosis was so big. She was almost like a question mark. Mm. And so she turned around and literally had to do a lot of different things to try to create symmetry in a very asymmetrical physique because of the fact that she has a scoliosis curvature of the spine. And it was one of those things where it was like constantly looking at it and saying, okay, well this rear delt is smaller than this rear delt. This needs to be done. You're going to have to do more sets and more exercises and more reps here and 
And so when you do your workout, we want to do an extra set with just the right side, an extra five to 10 to 15 extra um, forced reps at the end of these sets to be able to do things. All of those things that you need to work on. Um, sometimes it happens with women with glutes, right? One glute will be dropped over the other. Well, okay, well, get your back adjusted to fix your hips. Mm -hmm. You know, you have one leg that usually ends up being a little bit longer than the other. It happens all the time, even with people who don't have a scoliosis. But if you do, then it, it, you're more prone to it. And your hips are off and then getting your chiropractic treatments, go, going to your acupuncturist to help with other things with recovery, as well as being able to do different things. Well, now you see everybody do cup cupping. That's like the big yeah, thing, right? Cupping, cupping, everywhere. cupping. Everybody looks like they got attacked by an octopus walking yeah, around. Again. Yeah, but honestly, I think uh, it's got its place. Yeah. But I think something as simple as a foam roller will help that too. So when you end up foam rolling a lat and making sure that your lats are opened up, you know, or using a lacrosse ball and working on that so you can get your teres to open up, all of those things can make a big difference in your overall growth. And then your asymmetries can help get balanced out. So it's just not only stuff that you do in the gym, but it's the stuff that you got to do out of the gym to mm -hmm. work on those asymmetries. Yeah, because I think I do. It's interesting because if it's very straightforward what you're saying as far as like literally just train the other side a bit more. Yes. And I feel like to me that would feel very odd. Uh, you know, everybody has imbalance. I obviously have imbalances unless you're like, obviously. You know, no, perfect. everybody does. Everybody does. Agree. But it, that would like, it's, it's very straightforward. It makes perfect sense. But to me, that would seem kind of odd. Like, oh, I would have to get used to that to do that. But that's a, you know. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Well, I have a um, one that was staring at me here on the face. Yeah. And I want to go over this one. Um from Hans, he says, uh, can I start bulking even with 20% body fat and I don't have abs? Uh, no. So I'm, I'm a firm believer in if your body fat is that high and you have abdominal, you know, your body fat in your abdomen is, you know, basically covered your belly buttons holding, you know, a couple of thimbles with the water. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> That's the cup, measurement half tool. Cup, <laughs> half a cup of, <laughs> of water. You know, when you Everybody take a shower. Everybody's running to their wherever to get a thimble right now and like measure out. Yeah, yeah. a thimble's kind of small. I'd get like half a cup, quarter cup. <laughs> and you take a shower and you go dry off your legs and like half a cup of water falls out of your yeah. No, there's no reason to bulk mm -hmm. because what's going to end up happening if your body fat is too high, you're more, you're going to accumulate even more body fat. So the key is when your body fat is that high is to actually try to get some outlines of abs, bring your body fat down, or if you tend to put on a lot of body fat around your lower back, get those love handles down, or if you put it around your glutes or your legs, whether it's your male, female, you know, some people are built a little bit more like a pear. You want it really, pardon the pun, pare it down. Mm -hmm. You want to bring it down. So what happens is your body's effectiveness of building muscle goes way up. Because now your body's ability to uh, absorb the carbohydrates, the foods, and everything go way, way up when your body is in an optimal stage. When you, The higher your body fat is, it's just very ineffective and very inefficient at being able to really increase the nutrient uptake. Got it. So what you want to do is you want to get into that sweet spot. So and for me, every person's a bit different, but um, I'm going to go ahead and use an example. Let's say it's hottie right? Hottie always stays so lean mm -hmm. because he trains and he eats and he eats and eats and eats and eats. And so he doesn't blow up. He's always in really good shape. You know, there's some remnants of glutes all the time, but that's also a blessing and a curse because he trains so hard. He needs a lot of food to mm -hmm. stay on top of it. So again, that's the extreme other example. But then when Phil was coming up in the very beginning stages, sometimes in the off season, he would get really soft. And then it was like, okay, it doesn't matter if you're going to from 270, 275, or if you go up, you know, somebody else, like even a J, if, if he goes from like, you know, 
if he was at 290 or 275 or 285 to 290, depending on where he was in his career, you'd look at him and you'd say, okay, well, you get diminished returns when you get too heavy yeah. because all you're doing is you're more likely to put on more body fat and you're putting less muscle on. But when you're in that really key phase of, you know, every person's different, but let's just say the sweet spots in the low teens, or let's say it's like 10% or 12% that you get into a certain sweet, a sweet spot and your body's ability to put on more muscle and less body fat is dramatically increased. So it's just finding that perfect balance right there. It is. It's, it's, it's knowing where your body is able to be able to recover at a higher rate yeah. and you're not putting on just a ton of just extra weight that literally weighs you down. Yeah. Cause a lot of people kind of, you know, I'm sure you've seen it. It's very prominent now. It's very much the hard bulk. You know, if you're like, Oh, the cut's going to be crazy because they see that, you know, their, their traps and their shoulders and everything maybe fill out a bit, but they're holding so much weight that, you know, the diminishing returns got to be also when you have to cut all of that weight, you have to drop so much. Yeah. That's not what you want to do because yeah. it's, it's just too much. And that's where we've talked about it over and over again. You don't want to try to have to lose a ton yeah. of weight because you're never going to get shredded that way. You got to be in closer striking distance. If you really want to make the best decision on how to get in your best condition ever, be in the best shape ever when you start your diet. So drop the weight first. Drop as much as you can within reason. Yeah. And then make sure then from there you have a really good 12 to 16 week stretch goal. Awesome. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. I, I had another one too. Let's see. How do I organize my training priorities? Uh, for example, legs, what workout routine should I use to be able to get them to grow? So again, the priority kind of goes a lot by the first day of the week should be your weakest body part. That's how I tend to break it down for the 90% of the time. Is So if I have an athlete that really needs to work their legs, I'll get them to do that in the beginning of the week, right after their first day off, mm -hmm. coming right off of, a, let's say if their Sunday is their day off, and they want to get their first day workout day of the week is Monday, it would be Monday. Then they would be also training that same body part again on probably Thursday or Friday, depending on which body part it is. So prioritize with taking the first day of the week and making that body part there. So you're fresh, you're recovered and you're going right into it. That's the key to being able to try to get your weak body parts to grow. Cause you're just going the hardest on it. Right. Because yep. you're fresh. Yep. You're fresh. Yep. The other thing that I do also add on is I also add in my cheat meals, believe it or not on Sunday night. So that on the Monday you're getting that extra bump in yep. calories and carbs and in sodium. So that way the pumps are going to be even better yeah. and you're going to be able to really stretch that fascia and get really round and get that 3d look. So I've never really understood that whenever people do it like right after their really big workout or they do it um, like the day of, or you can do both because you're going to have yeah. better absorption. Yeah. You can do better absorption okay. there. So I've always been like, Oh, I'll just have the night before the next day. I feel like a monster and you can go in and crush it. But so you, you, you will have better absorption if you do it and say right after or yeah, you'll have better absorption of the carbohydrates and everything. The uptake will be really yeah. high. Yeah. But I tend to not go after that because there's benefits all you can, you you can find different windows of benefits. The benefit that I like is I like the the ability for your body to be able to absorb the carbs, process them, create glycogen. Sodium is really high and it's nice and be able to get that really good pump right off the bat from your next workout yeah. and then make sure that you you're able to really feel the endurance from the extra calories from the previous night. Uh, day or night. And then I go into it. 
and I don't usually have them work out right after their first, you know, like their first meal. Yeah. I usually have them eat several clean meals. Now, if somebody has a sick, crazy metabolism, I've had them do some extra cheat meals where they cheated into it, especially if they have a really crazy metabolism. Multiple? Yes. Wow. Yes. Where I've had, um, right off the top of my head, I'm trying to remember who, but let's say we cheated that on a Sunday night. Yeah. Then on Monday morning, it was another cheat meal. And then they would eat a couple of clean meals, but it would be like pancakes, French toast. It would be something along those lines, whole eggs, um, turkey, bacon, um, potatoes, country potatoes. And yeah, and then they're going to have a couple of clean meals so that they can kind of be able to digest it properly because you don't want to do a cheat meal before the workout because that's harder to break down. And it would never be like pizza or anything stupid like that because your body just takes forever to digest that. That's why it takes you so many hours to be able to get hungry again. But then you would turn around and be able to have a couple of clean meals and then go into the workout. Ah, yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. I've been just doing the multiple cheat meals a day for the last like two and a half years. Well, it's not working. Trying to catch up to me. (laughs) Talk about goat. goat Serious off season. (laughs) Uh, That actually does kind of launch us into the next question, which is how many times a day do you have your athletes use evil log during a contest prep? Okay. So on evil log, what I do is on contest prep days, if it's a moderate to high carbohydrate day, then they're doing it three times, sometimes even up to four times a day mm-hmm. throughout the day because it's a GDA, but it's also got some enzyme to be able to do the breakdown. If it's a low carb day, I usually just stick to an enzyme. So I use, that's why I made a Devozyme for those days. Yeah. So that, that way, if it's low carbs, I don't want a GDA in it. Got it. That's how I do it. Oh, makes sense. Yeah. Perfect. Um, kind of on the same boat, when would you uh, cut creatine before a show? Like how many weeks out or do you? Creatine, yeah. yeah, it really depends. So if somebody has a tendency to be really, really lean and they're dry already, I keep creatine there longer. If it's something where I'm kind of wanting to see, it's a little things are a little bit blurred out and I want to get a really good sense of, hey, what does this person look like without the extra water weight of creatine? Then what I do is I'll either peel it back a bit or I cut it out for a couple of days and then I can reintroduce so I can get a better idea mm. of how much of this water is really from what. Okay, because there's lots of different things that you're taking in from sodium to um, pre-workouts that contain creatine to creatine itself to post products that have creatine. You know, I put creatine in Cellchem. There's creatine by itself. There's also in the pre-workout. Also, um, any type of PEDs. If someone's taking PEDs, you know, there's going to be some water retention from that. All of those things that go on have to be discussed on top of regular table salt. Yeah. Right. So you have all of these things that go on. So every person is a bit different with how they process those types of things. And so if you're really trying to understand bodies and I get questions like this all the time from up and coming, uh, you know, trainers or people that are doing contest prep, what you got to understand is that you need to be able to kind of understand what the body's about to do. And if you have to turn around and play around with it, do it two or three weeks out. Yeah. And then, take notes and then see how your body responds with those subtle changes. So that way you don't automatically go, Oh crap, what happened? Yeah. Don't experiment like experiment. Don't experiment the last week. Exactly. Yeah. You do not experiment. On people. You have a really good idea uh, so that you're going to have a high level of repeatability when you do it far enough out and then you can repeat the process again. Nice. Got it. 
And kind of, I'm adding on to that. Like, how how soon after could you see changes if you were to say pull creatine? I mean, all of those things happen within hours. Wow. I mean, you know, depending on how lean you are, you could see changes in several hours or you know a day, depending on what's going on. If if it's real far out, it might take a couple of days because your body fat's still so high. Just goes to show that, like, when you're that at that high of a level. You just have to be so meticulous about each tiny little detail because they all make such a big difference. Yeah, especially if you want to be really good at being able to dial somebody in. Yeah. Here. All right, I have another one here. Can we do FSD7 for a whole year or just for eight weeks only? FSD7 can be used all year long. It's just a, remount, it's a matter of how much recovery is going to depend on frequency. So you could go, you know, some people do, will do it for once a week uh get ready for a show the recovery is really really good and they'll be doing it two or three times a week mm -hmm. and then there'll be other times where in the off season they'll maybe not doing it at all and i think it's really dependent on who it is and how on top of their training and their eating they are so if you're really on top of your training and you're really focusing on those weaker body parts and the weaker body parts tend to be smaller let's say your arms you can do that more often because it's not going to be this apocalyptic training day yeah like legs yeah if you sit there and try to do FSC seven every leg workout, and then you're also doing it on back and you're also doing it on shoulders, you are going to be a mess. Yeah. You're going to be a mess. So you need to make sure you can understand your level of recovery. And that's what it's all about. It's about balancing out your level of output with your input with calories and recovery and how you can be able to come back to that FSC seven workout again. And when I say FSC seven workout, I'm talking about including everything from you know, like mini FSD seven, and I haven't talked much about that, but mini FSD seven sets are like the three to five set range, or instead of just the seven set range, but you're still using the 30 second rule where you're only yeah, resting for 30 seconds, um, or all the way up to doing things where we're doing FSD sevens and supersets. I, you've seen me in my videos all over the internet where I've trained other, you know, just all kinds of athletes where I'm doing supersets of flies with push-ups and sometimes flies push-ups and then doing another variation of a push-up or doing a press doing all of those things you can't do those all the time no. you're not going to be able yeah. to do those things all the time you'll be wrecked but doing those periodically is what's really going to be done i mean you see derek talking about it now because oh, he's yeah. sharing some stuff he's doing a lot more content sure. he's sharing a lot of those things that i've taught him can only handle so much of that that's right <laughs> it's a lot that's right i have one more <laughs> on my end that's going to be a bit of a pivot to a kind of a different topic uh, not training as much and everything but what are your thoughts on the recent return of sadiq Oh, Sadiq. Yeah. God. Is there another competitor? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Coming <laughs> from. <no. laughs> Actually, it doesn't have a profile photo. So huh. whoever that is, it it's, could be. It's probably another competitor. Yeah. Or it's Sadiq. This one's for you, brother. This one's for you. I'm very proud of him. You know, it's very difficult to be able to come back after several years Definitely. of taking time off stage. I was there. I saw it. He looked great. I think that his conditioning was awesome. I think his back still needs to come up a bit. I think he knows that. I think, you know, I'm sure Big Steve told him that your back needs to still come up. Um, but uh, it, he did a great job. I mean, yeah. for him to take that much time off and go up against that lineup and being able to win, that's awesome. And moving but, to classic, coming back. and Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Doing all of that, yeah. you know, that flip-flop back and forth. But, um, but he's the kind of guy that just was very, very tenacious and he wanted to just make sure that he goes out there and he was able to cross his T's and dot his I's to be able to do that. And again, this isn't open bodybuilding, open bodybuilding. It's much, much more difficult. 
So if you are turning around and trying to do this and you haven't competed in four years and you're an open bodybuilder or open bodybuilding pro uh, or a previous Mr. Olympia from many years ago, it's going to be much more difficult than this. But at any level, it's tough. At any level, it's tough because everybody continues to keep getting better because yep. nobody stops and says, hey, let me put on the brakes because I'm, you know, we're, we're, we're going to cut back our training or we're going to slow things down because of any reason in particular. Everybody keeps growing. That's what bodybuilding is. It's building on your physique. Yep. So that's why if you really look at that class, you see how much the changes are throughout the years since Mark Anthony won the first time all the way till now. They evolved it, so quickly. It has. It's been this too. crazy yeah. evolution. And it's, I think, is the division that's evolved the most. Yeah. You know? And it's so, perfect because somebody, I do, uh, two, two podcasts ago, somebody did ask in the comments, they were just kind of saying, hey, like, what are your thoughts on men's physique with how big they're getting? Like, some of the guys are huge. Yeah, I think men's physique is getting kind of out of control yeah i think to a degree because it's not it's just it's just getting these guys are getting really really big yeah. and i'm just like holy crap these guys are like bodybuilders with board shorts on yeah. them, son of <laughs> pretty much but it's just the nature of the beast now do i think that I, i'm a huge advocate of putting a, a weight cap on these guys that i've, I've been for many years yeah. now that's obviously up to um the organizers in pittsburgh on, on whether that's going to ever happen or not or if they're going to there's also talk some people are saying they should be another division you know men's you know I think that we're going to call it somebody, somebody came men's wellness, men's wellness. (laughs) (laughs) So whatever, whatever that is model physique, let's just call it. I'm just going to make that up model physique. And it's like, Oh, I'm more of a model model physique, ripped abs, Brad Pitt with abs type of thing. Right. So, okay, great. But at the end of the day, if that continues and in its bodybuilding style, what's going to happen is they're going to outgrow. We'll have unlimited division divisions. Well, that that could happen. So that's why I was thinking that it would always be good. But again, um, I'm not the organization at the end of the day, they're going to make the best decision for the, for what they feel is best. But I think that ultimately that's what makes, um, classic so good because you've got to create a cap and then yep. they go, okay, this is the ideal look. Yeah. This is what we're looking for. And you can't turn around and you have to stay within this. Yeah. The freaks just kind of evolve within like the genetic, you know, the outliers, they just evolve within that heightened boundary. Cap. We're yeah. calling boundaries, yeah. right? We, yeah. we create, you know, boundaries. So those are the boundaries. But with this one, I mean, some of the guys look bigger than some of the men's the classic physique yeah, guys. Exactly. And I'm just like, and they're crazy. They look great. But at the end of the day, it's like, okay, where do you want that entry level of the organization to be? So I think that's something that's up for debate. And um, again, I'd love to hear what you guys think. Do you guys think there should be a weight cap in, in men's physique? I'd love to hear what you guys have to think about that down the road. Should we do that? Or do you think that we should start another division? You know, like, well, should there be another division that comes beneath? I think they'll just keep going at that point. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. But let's see. Yeah. Like I said, yeah. I don't know. I, I think that there's been a total, you know, it, there's there's two sides to every coin, right? And there's stuff that you don't even think about because if you, you know, add too many divisions, then what happens with the Olympia? What happens with that? It becomes exactly. a longer uh, production. And so all of these things. But so far, everything's been going really well. I love wellness. Like wellness has been amazing addition. Yeah. It's been great. It's such a cool division. Just the concept wise, the shape is incredible. It's a, it's definitely been a very fast growing. Yes. Very, very fast growing. And I think that, you know, figure has been something that's evolved. And obviously we, we had Sid Gillian here yeah. um, last week and being able to see a lot of things that she's been able to do and being able to share with us. And we definitely want to bring her back on the podcast because there, she's been a wealth of information. And I think that at the end of the day, uh, it's a matter of what people want. So I think 
the organization is going to do with just depending on where it goes with that. Yeah. So again, perfect. That was awesome, man. Yeah. <laughs> that took a lot longer than I thought. I thought it was going to be like a 10 minute thing. And we I was like, wow, questions. we had some good questions. Yes. Just keep them flowing though. Cause we'll keep putting those things out on Instagram. So keep an eye out for them. And you know, like you said, the comments on YouTube and dropping them there because we, yeah, we read them all and it, it helps us a lot, but get creative with them. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's been amazing, man. Thank you for our first Q and a back. Of course. Honey Rambod, my co-host Austin, and that's the truth.